Hey guys, it is Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Congratulations for you folks for that's when graduating, either from high school or from college or grad school or law school or medical school. Well, you know what? They'll be looking for a job soon. If they're looking for a job, they got to look the part. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. they got a great, great line of clothing for your younger folks. And not necessarily something tailor-made, but also something custom-made. A wide variety of shirts, blouses, skirts, towels, you name it. Not towels, exactly. But you know what I'm talking about. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Our guests on the program today for, for a few minutes are Robert Inlow of Ed Choice and Betsy Wiley, the Institute for Quality Education. Just kind of going uh, on about uh, earned test scores and some of the voucher programs as well. Uh, one of the big criticisms of the voucher program these days, uh, so this may be a little bit of a curveball, so whoever, whichever one you want to take with all the, the fight over curriculum and book banning and gender studies and all, all this other stuff going back and forth. The argument is that if a, if a, uh, voucher, a voucher should not go to a school that quote-unquote discriminates, whether it's for religious reasons or for whatever reasons, how do you get the number one? I, well, that that argument is what it is. But I guess my question is, how do you sort of balance, you know, a kid's educational needs with the need to not to treat everybody equally, fairly, equitably? Well, I want Betsy to answer this, but but you you're, you loaded a lot of words in there, <laughs> fairly, equitably. I mean, there's lots of words in that. Yeah. But let's 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 take apart a couple things here, right? One. Federal law does not allow non-public schools to discriminate based on federal categories of, of, of protected classes, right? It's this that simple, right? You're not allowed to do it. Now, if the debate is there aren't enough protected classes federally, okay, well, let's have that argument at the federal level and go get Congress to pass something. The, that is not the place of a school voucher program to take care of that issue, right? Um, regardless of what I believe personally, right? The reality is, is where the debate should be happening is in who's a protected class and how are they protected and where are they where the law to pass that so that's point number one point number two when we look at the types of, of discrimination people are talking about right um for example if you look at the glisten survey which happens all the time so this gay straight lesbian education network they do a the school climate survey every single year about what kind of uh, bullying and experience do gay kids have in schools guess what kind of schools treat them and bully them the worst it's traditional public schools, right? And so if we're going to have an honest, logical conversation about this, right, about bullying and discrimination, then let's have one because it exists and we should stop it, right? So, But it's not just because they're non-public and they're religious that they discriminate against certain types. It's it's actually you find out that it's the uh, secular private schools that do much better with kids. And what we're finding in Florida, uh, particularly with the LGBTQ kids, um, you're finding schools that are popping up just to serve those families because they've been bullied in traditional schools so for me like on the on the lgbtq thing it's it's really important to basically say look there are there are issues out there we should take them seriously but there are issues across all school types and we should think that school choice is a way to solve that problem not not create that problem any thoughts bets he had a lot of thoughts for wanting me to answer the question right sorry um no i do have a couple thoughts um and in particular, one is just this idea of educational freedom and options and choice and this desire for everybody to say, no, no, every school has to look identical. Right. If we do that, then we don't have options and freedom and choice. We have one system that might be private pay versus public pay, but they are identical. The only reason education choice is thriving is because we are creating options, true options of different in learning environments all different kinds of learning environments for families to choose from. And so I think that that's really, really important. You know, Robert hit on the key points. 
it's against the law, right? It's against federal law to discriminate. So um, the amount of like misinformation or just flat out, you know, pass it, you know, continuing to spew uh, negative and false information by opponents of educational freedom. I, I don't know that it's ever going to stop, but that's all it is. Gotcha. Uh, final question for you guys. Uh, anything on the agenda for next session with uh, expanding the voucher program or choice options in Indiana? I certainly will continue to be pushing until we get universal choice in the state of Indiana. And by that, I mean every student from any family can go to any school they want and access a voucher if they so choose. Um, We will be looking to expand uh, Indiana's newest choice program, the ESA program, to more students. Currently, it's uh, limited to special needs students at 400% of free and reduced price lunch. We, again, will continue to push to get more and more families to use that because that's truly customizable. Um, And then not necessarily in the space of uh, choice, expansion of choice, but I want to take a hard look at... uh, Deregulation. You know, you talked earlier and we started about test scores and stuff. I think we've really got to look at what all are we requiring all of our schools of all types to do? Do we need to be requiring them to do that? Are there regulations we can get away from so that our teachers can, in fact, uh, have the freedom in their classrooms to teach and get through to these kids any and every way they possibly can so these kids are becoming proficient in, in getting their course subjects? Let's take a look at what's happened in the state of uh, America, so in America and in Indiana in the last uh, year. So uh, Florida, Iowa, Arizona, Arkansas, Utah, and, and Ohio have said every student should be free to choose. We don't care where they go. The money's going to follow them, public, private, or charter. Indiana, for some reason in their wisdom, decided to say, well, no, 96.5% is all we can go for here, right? So like Betsy, it's ludicrous that we don't allow everyone to choose, and we should allow everyone to choose, and that would be something that we would be very much for. A little separately, for me, I really want us to not just talk about regulations, but we have to start talking about how do we build new schools and different types of schools, right? If our job is to simply say, well, you could choose a version of the post office and charter schools and non-public schools look a lot like just organizationally and like traditional schools fine happy to have that choice but i think we need a lot more options we need a whole bunch of sort of micro schools pods things that we haven't thought about as we deliver education to families think about it a company could have a a one-room schoolhouse in their company building a family could create a a one-room schoolhouse in a community there's all sorts of different ways to do this if we do it right and if we just keep thinking about education being delivered in a large building that has a lot of physical plant, I think we're gonna we're gonna be going down the wrong road in the in the future. I lied. That wasn't my last question. This this is we got, you guys got a couple more minutes. To yeah. Yeah. Uh, I always thought it was interesting in the school choice debate that it is okay to have school choice at colleges and universities, but not okay to have school choice at K through twelve. Like I don't understand the the logic and and rationale because if, if your argument was like well public dollars shouldn't go to a religious institution. Okay, what about the kid who gets financial aid to go to Notre Dame? This was that exact example was what we utilized in 2011 with a lot of policymakers and said that literally that exact example. You don't have any problem with public scholarships to go to Notre Dame. And I think it really helped change the attitude a little bit with policymakers about sort of you're right, you know, about that, right? And again, it was 
and you look at the college version, it was a scholarship to the student. It was needs-based. It was, right, all of those things. And so the voucher program is really providing that. I'm not sure why people struggle with it so much. Other than I can simply suggest, right, you have this robust um, traditional public schooling system in neighborhoods, heavy union presence amongst teachers, right, that you don't see when you look at the public college and university system, right? That it's a much more diverse student population, might be predominantly in-state kids, but a lot of out-of-state kids, a lot of, right? It's not your neighborhood school. It's not running into the people you see at church and the grocery, et cetera. So I think there's a little more parochial feel about your traditional public schools that might be part of the reason why people aren't as accepting but the principle and the policy is is the exact same robert is, is it more of a uh tend to kind of piggyback what Betsy? it's more sort of almost sort of an emotional sort of romanticized type issue like the, this was a school i went to when i was a little kid I, I don't want anything that bad to happen to it if we bring these sort of voucher stuff in here then my school the kids all leave and the school will close down even though that has really nothing to do with the voucher debate so i think that was the sort of and people had a common cultural experience of education when they were growing up you know i went to a public school my mother went to a public school right and then i got to so you this is the school we went to the pandemic one of the, the things the pandemic did is it changed that because all of a sudden on march 13th everyone woke up as, a, as an educator and they started looking over their kids at his shoulder and see what's going on they started watching and they started saying well i'm going to take more control and so now we have a new common cultural experience of families saying they can customize and take charge so i think that might have been the old way to look at things i think the new way is is basically parents are saying we want we don't have a problem with traditional public schools we just want to be able to customize and do what we want the other thing i'd say about your college example is yeah we have this freedom in college don't forget we also have this freedom in pre-k so it's like you get born (laughs) but you get get freedom and then all of a sudden you get no freedom and then you can have freedom again right and it's just and and it's the institutional let me be a little bit more uh, finer point it's the institutional arrangements that we have made through the establishment of school districts and redlining, right? Essentially, what we've done in this country is basically taken the old 1934 banking red lines and made those school districts, right? And so if you think about that for a second, that institutional arrangement can lead to nothing but pardon my French for using this word, a monopoly. Now, that doesn't mean that people in the monopoly are bad or good. There's lots of great people and there are lots of great schools. But the institutional arrangements that are set up are not ones that are going to serve the needs of customers everywhere and I think and parents. And the goal here is that parents need to be served in the way that they want to be served. And what they want right now is a whole bunch of hybrid options. They want they want more pods. They want more tutoring. They want more micro schools. They want less for full-time day, five days a week. So unless we're missing the boat, I think we're going to see a changing notion of the delivery of education in the next few years. Betsy, has the, the the way we think about deliver educational services, is that sort of uh, our parents, is this one of the cases where the parents are sort of ahead where the institutions are? 100%. 100%. I mean, but it's obviously easier for the mindset of, a, of an individual or a parent to change than it is a, you know, 100-year-old institution. Um, and, and it's just not a very nimble institution, right? Because I think couple of things when you when you look at choice as a movement and you hear um you know opponents of school choice say it's bad because it's taking money away from public schools it's not as we talked about the kids are are choosing so so number one change what you're offering at your public school so that they're choosing you right there's nothing stopping that 
and then you get all the money because you get all the kids. Um, and so I think that's one thing that we, we need to kind of keep in mind is that they have the freedom to sort of adapt and change too. But to Robert's point, using the monopoly word, it's really hard to change that longstanding institution. It really is. And, and I think that that's why you see the academic performance in these other types of schools, charter schools, which have more freedom from regulation, still over-regulated, but have more freedom. Non-public schools, again, have more freedom. That um, they're doing better because they have fewer handcuffs and fewer structures around them. And you know who wants to change this system as well as parents? actual teachers if you look at our polling it's amazing teachers want more freedom in their classroom they want more freedom to run their own institutions they're the next vanguard of support for the idea of school choice and and educational choice because they're unhappy in their current structure and they want different options and they want to start their own types of schools our guests on the program today have been our good friends robert enlow of the educational choice foundation betsy wiley of the institute for quality education can talk about sort of i learn test results as well as also in a, in a broader discussion about the school choice the voucher debate up here in indiana so robert betsy as always we appreciate you folks being with us enjoy the rest of your summer and we'll probably my spiders and stuff we'll be talking again probably around when school starts back up again in the fall perfect thanks, thanks. for having us yep thanks Abdul. thank you This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.